that's six-year-old Olivia reading a storybook with her dad in their garden. What none of them knew, like many others, was that that would be the last time her dad got to read to her in person. Oh, it was a very happy life. Uh, we have many work, uh, fun, <laughs> family time. It was a very happy time for us. We have uh, many friends. This is Anna, Olivia's mum. She remembers her happy life in Mykolaiv in Ukraine. Not so far away was another woman, Daria, who asked us not to use her real name. She explained her own conflicts with her Russian identity. I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be a, a Russian, a Russian in Russia, a Russian living abroad. If I represent this identity to any extent, it's not been easy to find uh, answers to these questions. What culture, for example, consists of? Is it about cuisine, those particular dishes, like borscht, telmeni, the dumplings, and uh, other things um, that people feast on? Is it music? Is it language? Is it literature? And I did not have a conclusive answer. But it took one night for everything to change. Millions of lives have been affected. Russia started a military operation in Ukraine by land, air and sea, in what has been described as the biggest attack by one state against another in Europe since World War II. More than 12 million people have fled their homes. Military casualties on both sides are believed to have topped 200,000, while civilian casualties in Ukraine are at nearly 7,000. That's according to the latest UN figures. A year on, and there's still no signs of returning to a normal way of life. But one thing has got a little bit better. Olivia is finally able to listen to her bedtime stories from her dad, despite him being thousands of kilometres away. And that's all because of an app. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Inas Rafai, and this week we look at the human toll of the war, the lives that were changed in a blink of an eye, and we talk to people who were caught in the crossfire, who tell us how they've found small ways to cope with the suffering. Before we start, if you want to get all of the latest episodes as soon as they come out, then just hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Twenty-four uh, February, the bombing nearby our house, and we wake up from this sound. It was very scared, and I think uh, this day I feel like we live one one month. It's so long day for us. We scared. We're sitting at home because we don't know what we must to do. We scared to run and we scared to stay at home. Our daughter always uh, asks us, why am we sitting at home? Why am I not going to school? But uh, we, uh, we don't answer her. But later we told her that uh, war starts. It was a long night in Allah's life. When we spoke to her, she remembered the details of it with teary eyes. She watched everything in her life and her city falling apart. Allah had no choice but to leave. It was a very scary two weeks of my life. I almost doesn't sleep. We always listen bombing. And when uh, Russia 
soldiers start go from Kherson to Mykolaiv, we decided to leave the city because it was so dangerous to stay there. The journey was far from easy. Millions of Ukrainians had to pack what they could and get out of their cities. The roads were congested. People spent days instead of hours to reach the borders. But not everybody could leave. Alaa's husband wasn't one of the lucky ones. He wasn't able to join them. He volunteered to help the Ukrainian military and the people, making Alaa's journey out that little bit more difficult. Eventually, she reached the Netherlands with her young daughter, Olivia. But the first night there was far from easy. Yes, it was uh, difficult and scary because I uh, hear like some object fly <laughs> and I think, oh my God, a war start even here. But after I think, oh, it's okay, I'm safe. They are both now safe, but six-year-old Olivia still had trouble sleeping without her father. When we live in Ukraine, my husband always reading a book for our daughter. And the first time when uh, we live in Netherlands, we didn't have this possibility. Knowing that your country is in a state of war isn't a bearable feeling. It affects and changes everything. Daria from Russia said she was in denial when the war started. I belong to those who for months were denying the possibility of uh, uh, such thing happening talking about that it's a it's a bluff so it was quite a shock I, I think for many it was quite a shock when we woke up and we realized that the order was given and it was uh, a stroke of pain at the time because I guess uh, I realized that uh, this is not going to be over tomorrow the day after tomorrow but war takes its toll especially on those that are near it Daria explained to us a little bit more about the impact it had on her mental health. And then there were days and days and months of monitoring the news, barely sleeping, crying a lot. So did many of my friends uh, with whom I'm in touch uh, all over the world, exchanging the news, discussing them, crying again, trying to support one another, and uh, also being worried, of course, for our families who live in Russia what's going to happen to them, how it's going to impact them in terms of their well-being uh, economically. Will they close the border? Will we see each other again anytime soon? What's going to happen with um, supplies of uh, some necessary items like medicine? For example, I was concerned from, for my parents. Some of my friends take some uh, medicines which are supplied either from Europe or the United States. But living with a traumatic experience can make you more resilient. Alaa wanted to survive, live and cope with her new reality. She found out that there was a way that Olivia could still connect with her dad. An app called Better Time Stories that give access to separated families to tell bedtime stories to their children, who are now refugees. It's a very beautiful name because we wanted to give the hope for better times to come to the children, but also to the mothers who are separated with their husbands, with their families, and need uh, to accommodate kids in the new environment. And uh, yeah, we believe this day will come soon and uh, yeah, to give hope to, to these children. This is Leila Popovich, client business lead at Boomerang Agency, which worked on this app. We joined this project at the very beginning to develop, to create a 
campaign to drive donations because we uh, were touched by the idea that books and stories can connect families and also can help children that fled their homes and ended up in the new countries, in the new environment, new language, new society, that uh, with the help of the books that can be comforted, but also learn the new language because our books are uh, bilingual. And you can read the story in Ukrainian language, but also in the language of the country. Leila explained that each book has a code which is readable by mobile phones. And each code directs to a web page which users can find narrations of books in Ukrainian, Dutch and German languages. Users can also send their links to families far away who can narrate these books by themselves through the application. Better Time Stories is now being used by over 10,000 families in Europe. That voice you just heard is Olivia's dad in Mikhailov, reading his Rotterdam-based daughter a bedtime story. Ala and Olivia's story gave us a closer understanding of the conditions of Ukrainian refugees a year after the war. But on the other side, Russians' day-to-day life was affected. Daria has told me that things still seem under control. So far, uh, it's been manageable because Russian economy indeed proved to be more resilient than many thought. The conflict has triggered a global energy crisis and spurred inflationary pressures in many countries across the world. I asked Daria about the situation in Russia. For people, things have gotten uh, more expensive. That's uh, what I can say. That's uh, how I guess it was supposed to happen. First prices rise and then maybe some items will be missing. You, you won't be able to find them. But so far, they, they were able to cope. Food definitely became more expensive. There was no as such border closure. So people who could afford it were able to travel. However, the airfare went uh, up, double, triple, quadruple fold. There were only several airlines which continued to service Russia. And currently, you know, the uh, airfare is also very expensive because there, there are no direct flights, for example, to the EU zone. So if people fly to Europe, they have to take uh, flights with several layovers, not to mention that uh, the uh, platforms, uh, the online platforms to which people were used to, to buy the tickets, to book the tickets, uh, which would actually draft the road for them and sell them uh, these tickets uh, combined into one, they closed down. Last year, the EU imposed unprecedented punishments on Russia, including economic sanctions and tightening some visa measures. I also wanted to know how that impacted life in Russia. Well, of course, the the financial restrictions also on uh, the sanctions on the Russian banks and uh, sanctions by uh, Visa and MasterCard, uh, which caused uh, some of even my family members to go abroad and register bank cards in the, how they call it, in the near abroad, in a, uh, one of the... Uh, CIS countries, which became very popular, tourist, banking tourism routes in this period. So manageable, but getting more difficult. And uh, they say that uh, economy of resiliency managed so far, but now that Europe also stopped buying Russian oil, we are in for another treat. Uh, in other words, to see uh, how it's going to, how the economy is going to contract further. 
What everyone was expecting from the war and the sanctions was that it would negatively impact Russia's economy, but instead it's outperformed all expectations. On the flip side, Ukraine and other countries are now suffering from an economic slowdown, which has dimmed hope of a post-pandemic recovery. Well, I think the war has been very fundamental for the world. Its effects have been felt everywhere. But there's lots of interesting differentiation between how the effect is felt, what the emotional impact is, what the economic impact is, where people see really have empathy and sympathy and where people see the arguments that are set aside by both sides. And it's really highlighted a lot of differences between different countries, different uh, assumptions. This is Damien McElroy, the National's London Bureau Chief, who's been extensively covering this conflict over the past year and who believes that this war has been a turning point for the global powers and for Europe, who had to receive millions of Ukrainian refugees. Europe has experience of this. It did it in 2015, for example, with the um, people who moved out of Syria and Iraq uh, up through Turkey and then um, came into Europe. And in every country, you can, you can see similar things and you can see different things. So, you know, I read a headline the other day in Germany about how Ukrainians who'd come over the last year have been fulfilling skills gaps in, in the German economy. And you walk around German cities and it seems that Ukrainians um, are quite able to display their identity. You can see people who are wearing kind of Ukrainian flowers in their hair, which is a thing, um, walking about in Germany. And, and they are quite sort of integrated and that has been very smooth. Uh, you move to other countries and they've really had to scramble to adjust. Uh, here in the UK, you know, there's lots of schools with Ukrainian kids in them. There have been no real reports of issues with that or anything. Um, but there is an issue of what happens when government support runs out, when people have to live by themselves. Are Ukrainians going to end up homeless? While that is still uncertain, Damien believes that 2022 has proved to people that they can come together during times of crisis. Well, I, I would just say Ukraine itself and the people have, they've had almost a decade of complete turmoil and people uh, kind of write them off or have over time written them off. But what we saw was basically Ukrainians seem to have come together. Obviously, the president played a big role in kind of standing up the country and saying, we will continue here, we will thrive and we will move forward and we will hold together. And that's something that I don't think if you go back 12 months, everybody would have appreciated or everybody would have predicted. Millions of Ukrainians have been granted the right to stay and work in Europe for up to three years. Refugee centres offer housing, food, medical care for Ukrainians, who are also entitled to social welfare payments and access to schools and housing. This has also been the case for Olivia. Allah has said that her daughter is going to school in Rotterdam and now speaks Dutch. And more importantly, she sleeps better. She starts to sleep better and faster because uh, when she <laughs> hears a uh, father's voice, uh, she sleeps better and quiet. Thanks this week to Allah, Leila Popovich, Daria and Damian McElroy. This episode has been produced by Duat Farid and Arthur Edison. This was a Beyond the Headlines. I'm Inas Rafai. 
And if you want all the latest episodes as soon as they come out, then just hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. If you can leave us a review while you're there, that makes all the difference. <laughs>